0: Welcome to The Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Maslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions, while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Karnor Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carn Cast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based and delicious and get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. Casey Ryan Ruff is a returning guest and probably my best podcast friend. Please check out his excellent first episode. And he's also the host of Boundless Body Radio, which I absolutely love and think everyone listening should check out. He puts out as many as three episodes a week, all with amazing guests, and he's an incredible interviewer. Um, Casey has been a certified personal trainer since 2007. He successfully ran a metabolic testing program for a large gym, Oversaw 13 programs in the West region for his company. He has multiple certifications um, as a personal trainer, a lifestyle coach, performance enhancement specialist. He's an avid cyclist. um, And he's helped thousands of clients over 13 years learn how to achieve their best lifestyle through movement, lifestyle management, and proper diet. He lives in South Utah with his wife, Bethany. um, And in his free time, he loves to cycle, play hockey, walk, and paddleboard. Welcome back to the show, Casey. Scott
1: Mazinski, it's such an honor to be back.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think before we get started, I've obviously thanked you uh, myself, but I need to publicly thank you. Um, Casey is the source of some of the best guests on the Carnivore cast. So if you're enjoying the guests, we have Casey to thank for that. And if you aren't enjoying <laughs> the guests, blame me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been a lot of fun um, doing this journey of podcasting with you. I would say the same thing like, you're my podcast. Buddy, if we were, there were like pen pals in 2022, that's what it would be. Yeah, I still remember to this day sitting, sitting in a grass park not too far away from here and taking a call with you that you were kind enough to do and telling me all about your podcast and how you set things up. I followed the podcast for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm really grateful for you and everything you have taught me. I do have one thing to complain about, though. Um, yeah. Putting me after a episode with James Lehman is like oh no how how can anybody <laughs> follow up that episode he is amazing and what an amazing yeah. story and it was so cool to yeah. hear his story and the emotion in both of you um as he like really thank you for like having part in saving his life i don't think that's an exaggeration
0: yeah he's he's really awesome and thanks for connecting me with him i had chatted with him over instagram a lot but yeah he's he's a really incredible man um and I'm grateful that I was able to, to play a small part in his journey, um, so but cool. rest assured, there will be one guest between the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So how are you? How's life?
1: Uh, life is really good. Um, I think we're kind of a little bit more used to the switch over from you know being in a, a corporate environment to running our own business. Um, it's definitely been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears along the way and learning how things work. Um but it's 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 been really nice it's a different pace for sure it's realizing for us now you know we have more time available than we've ever had and understanding like when it's important to earn a lot of money and when it's important to use your time for other things and podcasting is part of that it's something that i can do I was I would have never been able to do that when I was at the at the corporate gym. You're working, you know, 100 permission, 100 percent commission jobs. Very competitive with lots of other trainers trying to get people's money, and so it really wore down on us quite a bit. And and having the pandemic and you know forcing us on unemployment and you know helping us kind of understand that people's behaviors were changing really is what allowed us to open up boundless body. And so it's been it's been hard at times, but it's also been really great and something I'd never go back on.
0: Yeah, that's, that's incredible. And, um, did Bethany work at the same place you did?
1: She worked at the same place that I did. So I'd worked there for 12 years. And I want to say she had worked there for seven years. So yeah, when the when the pandemic hit, we didn't exactly like diversify very well, uh, what we were doing. I mean, my program, what I was doing at the time was measuring people's metabolic rate by using metabolic analyzers. And so literally, to do that, you have to stand next to a treadmill with somebody wearing a mask that's concentrating their respirations. So even before our gym closed in March of 2020, my program had already been shut down. And so there's already a lot of like uncertainty of like, well, I don't even know if I can do my job anymore. Like, I I don't know how that's going to change. And to this day, I'm not sure if they're doing it at the gym again or not. But um, yeah, we were both working for the same company when the shutdown happened.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I, c- I can only imagine like, I can imagine that a lot of people wouldn't want to do that now (laughs)
1: Um,
0: with with COVID, but maybe they're like, I can imagine something around like VO2 max testing and that as like a proxy to your resilience to COVID or something like that.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly what these tests were doing. So we could measure, um, since we were measuring oxygen and carbon dioxide as people were exercising, so we'd ramp them up just like a VO2 max test. We would be able to tell them what their VO2 max was, um, which is an interesting marker because it is the number one marker tied to longevity and health. Um, But a lot of people don't realize that VO2 max, the number they're used to seeing, is relative to their body weight. So that is part of the equation is the body weight. So, for example, you as a rower, may not have ever had the very best VO2 max, relatively speaking, even though absolute-wise, you were probably able to in- intake truckloads of oxygen. But as a rower, you're probably a little bit heavier than somebody like a cyclist or a runner who mm. classically is going to have a higher relative VO2 score. So yeah, that's definitely one thing that um, we were measuring. And, and really, all of this was how I found carnivore and low-carbohydrate to begin with, was using these metabolic analyzers and having people come in on low carbohydrate diets and do resting tests where their metabolism was hundreds of calories higher than it should have been, or having fat oxidation ranges way higher than what they could have been. And people able to go out and do competitions for three, four or five hours and not take in exogenous sugar calories and never bonk. It was such a foreign concept to me. And that's how I was able to find this whole world to begin with. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, And I think a lot different to like most people's entry through like, have having some disease or a relative with the disease and then watching Sean Baker on Joe Rogan. It feels like that's like <laughs> 99% of carnivores. Yep. I was
1: definitely, I, that, was the, that was the thing that introduced me to carnivore with Sean Baker on Rogan. And I had to tell him on my show that to this day, I never went back and listened to the whole thing because I stopped it right in the middle and said, this is preposterous. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: that's really funny. And so talk about making Boundless Body Radio. What have been some of your biggest joys and successes from doing that?
1: Uh, Great question. So successes. I will say that I tell myself I don't like to track our uploads and our data, but I do way too much anyway. Um, I probably care way too much about like Facebook likes more than I I say I do, but we're we're to a point now we should be nearing the top 1% of all podcasts made. Wow. Um, Now, that is partially because of what you mentioned before. So we do release three and sometimes up to four episodes a week so we always do monday wednesday friday and sometimes we'll do a bonus episode on the weekend on a saturday or sunday so part of the reason why we have so many downloads is because we do have so many episodes we do a lot of episodes that's part of it um but but my biggest metric when i started podcasting very similar to yours like if somebody writes me and says that this was amazing and it helped them and such and such guest was able to explain something that unlocked something in someone else's brain and they thank me for it. Like that's, that's great. That's, that's way more than I need to keep the thing going. And so I've had a really strong why as far as, um, you know, doing the podcast and that podcast in particular, I just, I, I feel strongly about getting this message out. Um, and it, for me, it was a special way to do it because that's how I got it. You know, listening to carnivore cast, listening to, you know, Sean Baker and Rogan, it was through podcasting that I was able to learn all of that, this like really crazy alternative way of doing things that all of a sudden was getting my clients really great results. So um, I would say that's the biggest success. I, I sometimes pinch myself to, you know, see some of the people that we have on the show, including yourself and some of the world experts on all kinds of different topics. And so it's been, it's been an amazing journey. And I, I measure the success by, you know, being able to continue it and hoping that it helps touch lives out there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, by my measures of success as a podcaster, putting out three episodes a week is just insane. I, <laughs> I struggled to do one. Um, and the fact that you're so consistent about it is really admirable. Um, oh, thanks. What's What's one guest, um, Casey, either recently or, or as far back as you can remember that really surprised you or, or either you were like, you're expecting something from them. And then you had the conversation. You're like, wow, that was not what I was thinking at all. Or like a surprising fact. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. Many people I talk to struggle to get enough organ meat on a carnivore diet. There's debate about whether you need to eat organs or not, but I like to supplement with organ meats and it makes me feel better. And many carnivores would agree. Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. In fact, I was consulted during the formulation, which is pretty cool. Um, They have a unique organ complex that combines nine different organs, liver, brain, heart, and more, um, all from grass-fed, grass-finished animals in New Zealand. And taking six capsules a day is the same as eating an ounce of raw liver. Um, And it's it's completely freeze-dried, and they use a very high quality process to retain all the nutrients. You can use the link in the episode description or um, the link in my Instagram bio and use the code carnivore10 to save a checkout and support the show.
1: Thank you. Yeah, great question. That's a really great question. So one that we did recently um, with a guest who is very dynamic. He's been carnivore for probably three years or so. He wrote a book called Body Science. Um, his name is Dave Champion, uh, PhD. He's got a law degree, I believe. and basically he has kind of looked back as he's changed his own health through low carbohydrate and carnivore diets and he's looked back on how we define different energy systems and we talk about being in ketosis but like what is the word for being not in ketosis there, there that's a whole like thing that people are living their lives eating tons of carbohydrates where they're not in ketosis but there's not yeah. really like a name there's no name mm-hmm. for it there's no name for that system yeah. and so He's gone ahead and called it glucosis. So you have ketosis and you have glucosis. And in his book, Body Science, he does such an amazing job explaining how energy is entering the body. And it's just, I I was even just texting him last night, like literally when your body is consuming fats, the fat that you consume doesn't even make it back to the liver. It doesn't go into the blood directly. It has to get packaged up into chylomicron particles that literally go up through the 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 lymph system and drop into the blood there where they unload all of their fat in a very quick time span before they get locked up and then they go back to the liver only when they're fully emptied and so learning that it, the saturated fat you eat in particular like it it can't it literally cannot make you fat in the way that we think it can it's it's this other system that he calls glucosis where now you're eating a lot of carbohydrates and those are going to the liver and going out in a totally separate like delivery system that then caused so many problems. I just, I don't know. He's got a really elegant way of putting that. And I really enjoy talking to him. He's got so much energy. He's like everybody else on the carnivore diet. who's just like reverse aging. He looks like he's 40 and he's over 60 wow. um, and just thriving. And I just really appreciate his energy. And I appreciate the way he explained those two systems.
0: That's really cool. You've got me super curious now. I'm going to have yeah. to re-listen to that episode and also buy his book. Um, cool. And then what's, uh, you You kind of already answered this, but maybe I'll ask you for a different example. What's one guest that uh, you learned something new and exciting from recently or, or maybe multiple?
1: <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you multiple. And one is going to be not related to carnivore, purely selfish since I'm like, weirdly hooked on Formula One this year. I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the Netflix series, uh, Drive to Survive?
0: No, I've heard a lot of people talk about it though.
1: Dude, I had no interest in it. Uh, at all. No interest in okay. motorsport. Um, it kept out. popping up on Netflix as my recommended whatever. Okay, and I started watching it. Within five minutes, I was totally hooked. And oh, now into the part where I'm like watching all of the races and like all of the qualifying. And yeah, it's been really fun cool. and exciting. So yeah. as part of that, we just recently hosted a commentator for Formula One who is a former driver himself. And so to talk about the physical demands on these drivers um, was super fascinating. They, they were taking Um, like pro rugby players and putting them in these cars and telling these pro rugby players to like apply the brakes. And they literally couldn't do it unless they were fully slamming on the brake as hard as they possibly could. And to think that those drivers have to do that for every single corner for like two hours is physically just absolutely insane. And one fact that he told me that I didn't know is that if the, the cars generate so much downforce That if you could get a Formula One car on upside down on the ceiling, it would drive on the ceiling. It has that much ground force that it generates.
0: That's crazy. That's insane. I know,
1: wicked cool. Yeah,
0: I have to check this out. Drive to survive. I'm, I um, I have the next like two weeks um, between jobs, so I definitely have to check that out. I've been trying to. Good one. I've been keep talking myself into and trying to motivate myself to like find a bunch of. Climbing documentaries, like Everest and stuff. Oh, amazing. Like that. That's another thing I really like. Those, so yeah, really those are so good. I really enjoyed John Krakauer's book about Everest.
1: It's crazy. Yeah.
0: crazy.
1: yeah, so crazy. Yeah, I love watching those as well. Um, and I would just say, like, like another another example from the carnivore world is hosting uh, Dr. Mickey Bendor recently. I know you've had him on in the past as well. Just He's such an amazing guy, and some of the, the latest research that he's done, he's going to be publishing a book in English, about the topic is really understanding the behaviors that we had as hunter-gatherers and how different they are from today. And he's taken those lessons from the way we used to live and broken them down in ways that we can use and apply today. So um, understanding that it's really important to provide autonomy to people around you either people you work with or in relationships or working in smaller communities versus working in hierarchical you know corporations or whatever and just understanding some of those principles and how to apply it to 2022 along with all of his nutrition information i think was just incredible i love talking to that guy
0: yeah he's he's someone who's like i i keep realizing again and again how wise he is (laughs) and um like how how much how interesting his work is i think the first time i heard him was on sean baker's podcast and i didn't really get it i was like okay yeah this guy's like kind of an anthropologist like paleoanthropologist okay i get it um and then i heard him speak at the colorado um carnivore conference um back in like 2018 2017 i can't remember and he blew me away this was definitely like the most interesting surprising talk um hopefully it's on youtube somewhere and then yeah just hearing him more recently uh on your podcast talking to him myself um every time i learn something new and uh he has just like such an incredible passion for being someone who's like you know older um and like that drive to like basically it's like his second career too which is really really
1: cool yeah he retired from his successful career as an economist at age 51 or 52 to then go back to school to study paleoarchaeology. Yeah. It's a really amazing story. And I I, I know you probably feel the same way. Um, I'd be curious to hear, actually. But there's there's so much research that's out there. There's a lot of people doing a lot of research. And so sometimes it can be really tough to know like who's got it more right, who's got it more wrong. And for me, it's a really good barometer. Um, barometer to, to to tell like who's got the best information when everything they're saying answers so many different questions it checks like all these boxes that it's like oh if we evolved as carnivores then this is why our hips are like this this is why we're good at running in a certain way this is why weirdly we can throw things super hard as humans it explains the the intestines and the stomach acidity and where our teeth are and like oh, it's like oh that checks so many Boxes and explain so many things. Where I feel like when people don't have the right information, it's like, well, you're, you're saying this, but now I've got three more questions about that. And I think that's a really yeah, good way That's to find- interesting. Yeah. It's
0: almost like he's, he, yeah, I, I i totally understand what you're getting at. And I can also see like listening to your podcast and knowing the way your brain works. <laughs> that makes total <laughs> sense that you'd look yeah. for that in experts, like someone who can explain. Um, I don't know if a system is the right word, but like more holistically, um, why, why things fit in a certain way and, and work a certain way, rather than just saying like, this is the answer to that one particular piece or like, yeah. this is a study or piece of evidence to support this one particular piece. It's like, yep. a it's like a whole framework.
1: Yeah. More global. Yeah. It makes sense. That's cool.
0: Um, what have been, uh, this is a hard question, and I think you asked me it, so I'm going to ask it back to you. What have been three to five of your biggest takeaways across guests?
1: Ooh, that is a great question. I don't we remember can get asking back to that, it. So we funny. can we can circle back. No, no, no. To that. no. That's totally fine. Um, I would I would say it's really interesting in this world in the carnivore, you know, low carbohydrate space. I'd say even more so in carnivore how homogenized. A lot of these things are like these people who find amazing health through nutrition, then start finding the right exercise programs, and they start focusing on building muscle. Oftentimes, they'll start to learn about temperature exposure. A lot of them do cold plunges. We own a sauna, like you know, minimal footwear. A lot of people end up transitioning over to minimalist footwear. So there's a lot of like lifestyle practices that once you once you get down this road far enough, I think is is pretty common. Um, but I would say. I would say, you know, my number one that I've gotten from my guests is that the, the plant-based movements, the plant-based movement is a scam. It is a straight up scam. Our, our guest, Jane Buxton, wrote the book, uh, The Great Plant-Based Con, and and really made a strong case for the movement itself. And we're not saying that nobody can ever eat plants ever again, but the movement itself, I think, is really... I think it's really deceptive and i think it's done really really well and people believe it and it really sucks the number of people like james lehman who watched the game changers and decided to you know apply that way of life to himself and nearly died like literally nearly died is is just it sucks and again it's very persuasive and i would think that's the number one thing that really kind of keeps coming back on the show um I'm definitely hearing a lot more people talk about other lifestyle factors. Some that we already mentioned, um, the importance of sleep is one that keeps coming up pretty regularly. That you know, a lot of people, if you start eating well and exercising well, sleep then becomes a huge focus. So we talk a lot about that. Um, another one that that I get a lot of is the practice of I would say intermittent fasting and how that goes hand in hand with low carbohydrate and carnivore diets. As long as people understand like how to do it correctly and they understand how to do it in a way that matches their goals. I think some of those are the standout lessons that I've taken from, from a lot of the episodes. More more than that, I would say um, the importance of, of things like gratitude and mindset practices, things like journaling, um, the number of times that we talk about mental health on our show was, frankly, a little bit surprising to me in the beginning. I thought it would all be you know nutrition and exercise, and we talk a lot more about mental health than we do... Other things. And so, you know, understanding the role of diet and mental health and how that can make your mental health a lot worse by eating the wrong things, but also just seeing the incredible mental transformations across the board with people that go carnivore is really inspiring and something that I noticed when I transitioned over. Um, I've got a lady on my street, like literally, she's just like 10 houses down. She had terrible, terrible skin problems, like horrible rosacea, eczema, like very frequently not able to get up out of bed and like do things for her kids. And, you know, she called me a few weeks ago and we talked about a carnivore diet and she is applying it. The first thing that she noticed is that her feet started to hurt because she was standing up and moving around so much because her energy was restored. Her sleep was better. And you should read the text messages she sent. She says things like, not like, oh, I lost 10 pounds. She's like, I am joyous. Like my life is pure joy. Like I did lose 15 pounds But now I'm sleeping. I only need six hours and I feel amazing. And my skin pain is all gone and my mental clarity is great. And like to see that level of like, this isn't just you lost weight and that's really fun. Like you, you made massive improvements in the one life that you get here. That is pretty powerful stuff, dude. That's so I'd say probably that, uh, you know, lifestyle and especially nutrition related to carnivore diet um, that helps improve mental health, I think is amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I totally second that. And that's a great answer. Um additionally, like I love hearing um something I, I try to ask about more and should be asking about more regularly is like what is the impact on those closest to you? Because a lot of these things, especially mental health, it has a massive impact on the people you love and like the people yeah. you share your life with. And carnivore like these types of diets and improving your lifestyle, all these things, they not only give you a new lease on life, but think about like how, how big of a help it is to your family um, yeah. and your friends. On,
1: on that note, I mean, literally I ran into her husband um on a walk about a week ago and he said, I've got my wife back. I have my wife back. Like that's powerful.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Life-changing and and so, so. cool. And like, just, thinking about the opposite side of that equation like having to watch a loved one or a relative like in pain and in disease and like going to the hospital and things like that it's awful so awful. Um, yeah I'm really glad you brought that up that's really cool yeah. um on a little bit of a lighter note <laughs> um you are a fantastic question to ask her Casey so I wanted to ask you what is a question you wish someone
1: would ask you in in a podcast or an interview Oh man, Um, that's a really good question. Um, You know, I've I've been thinking with my journey. I've I've had a you know some level of imposter syndrome. I've realized I I deal with with myself. Um, You know, I I, when I was starting podcasting and thinking about all the great shows that were out there, including yours, the the recurring thought that kept coming back to me was um, was like basically, what can I do? What can I say? That Scott isn't already doing, that that Sean isn't already doing, that somebody isn't already doing, and you know the answer to that question is we do. We do have something that's different and unique, and especially with especially with appearing now on other shows and being hosted on other shows, um, I, I I enjoy kind of telling my unique story of how I found my way into the low carbohydrate world and understanding that I don't I don't know many people out in the low carbohydrate space that got the type of experience that I got. Thirteen years working a metabolic heart, I don't know many people that did that. And so realizing that that is unique. And so I love fielding questions, you know, from that time in my life and the lessons learned and how we were applying that. Um, I think it's fun to answer those questions. Again, it's a technology that I'm, I'm not using currently, but it gave, it taught me all I needed to know about the topic that I can, you know, still help people understand the principles of that today. And it, it just works really well. So that's the kind of thing that I really love talking about. We, um, you know, back at the, at the gym, we were forced to do uh, these weight loss contests the, we call them the 60 day challenge. And it was a two month kind of weight loss contest. And, you know, the, the gym had meal plans and recipe books and all these things we had to give people. And we had numbers goals that we had to hit for number of people we had to sign up and it would just fail. It would just fail every three months. The cohort of people that would sign up for us, it would be like 15 to 20% of them would even finish the contest and they would all regain weight and once we learned low carbohydrate we used those times as our little like case study rather than give people the other meal plans we just gave people a lot of low carbohydrate meal plans and did seminars with people and taught people this way of eating and lifestyle and got to track their results and see how much you know fat they were losing pure fat we have the numbers it was amazing they were preserving muscle mass tons of different people different goals um And so that was a, that was a really fun time and using that information now with the coaching that we do has been really fun. But I would say that's a, that's a question I always like talking about, um, you know, kind of finding a different way through and finding unconventional advice that really is changing lives.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, I actually would love to ask you another question about that, which is like, people come to you wanting to be healthy, wanting to be fitter. I imagine a lot of them want to lose weight, maybe get stronger. For people improving their trying to improve their heart health, um, which I think is directly tied in with metabolic health. Is there a certain type of exercise they should be doing? Like, is it intervals, is it steady state cardio, weightlifting, or a mix of all of those? Like, how do you how do you think about improving heart health markers and like metabolic health from an that's exercise a, perspective?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. This would be, I guess, a very general. Um, but you and I are both huge fans of Dr. Doug McGuff, um, embodied by science. And he makes a strong case in that book that like cardio, quote unquote, cardio, the way we know cardio is a relatively kind of like new thing. It would have been something we did if we were on like extended hunts or something like that, but like exercise cardio, things like jogging, those are like 50 years old. Like people didn't do that 80 years ago. Like, and so to say to say that any type of cardio is protective of the heart, as it turns out, I don't know how true that is. Um, I, think, I think strength training with a, a certain amount of uh, muscular intensity I think can be one of the very best things you can do for heart health. Um, that said, I don't think intervals done every now and again is a terrible idea. I, I think people should do it in a way that's fun. Like, I play ice hockey once a week. If you told me that ice hockey was like the worst thing for my health, I would still go do it because I really enjoy it. I like it. And there, I, I found a way to fit in some interval training into what I'm doing. Go hard for a minute or two and then go sit on the bench and talk, talk smack with all my friends again and, and kind of do that. And so I, I think it's fine if people want to do that. Um, we do love movement. And I'll say movement because that's going to look like different things for different people. I think most for most people, walking is the very best activity they could ever do. And and. I know that doesn't seem like you're doing a lot, but I think that does more for heart health than anything else. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think as long as people are keeping it probably more simple than they think they should. And, you know, people in my industry tell people they need complex workout programs and meal plans, and it's just a way for them to make a lot of money. All of this stuff might not be easy, but it is very simple. And I think if people understand you know, doing strength training properly and and getting some movement in whatever they'd like to do. If it's riding their bike around, um, or walking or whatever, I think is totally fine from a fat burning and metabolic perspective by doing the tests. I found that what I was seeing on my machines getting measured lined up really quite well with Dr. Phil Maffetone's research and his MAF, um, research and formula, which is 180 minus your age, as far as a heart rate zone that you can track. Yeah, It's cool, cool now that most people have heart rate monitors already in devices they already own. But even people that don't, I would say what I noticed anecdotally is most people burn the maximum amount of fat when their self-perceived um, exertion level on a scale of one to 10 is right around a five. So a lot easier okay. than what you see most people doing in a gym. Interesting.
0: Yeah, that's really fascinating. Really cool answer. Yeah. Um, you reminded me of Phil Phil Maffetone's work. I, I really enjoyed um, his book. And yeah, that's, that's, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I, I think it's been interesting to see like people revisit the 10,000 steps a day thing, um, and see that like, I I think one analysis I saw of it recently is even up to like 15,000 steps a day or something, the mortality, um, benefit continues to drop. So yeah, I think, wow,
1: that's amazing. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So what's um, the new project you're working on um, for podcasting?
1: Yeah, um, thanks for asking. So at the beginning of 2022, I had decided that one of my annual goals would be to create some kind of like monetized content, something that we could offer for a very high value that would be very helpful for people. Um but they would offer, you know, some monetization options, something that could run in the background. Our time is limited with the people that we work with, since we're working one-on-one with our people. Um, we don't get to see a lot of people, and I wanted to kind of get the message out to more and more people. So, as I was contemplating what to do as far as content making, I, you know, researched doing courses, like an online course that people could sign up for, and maybe some quizzes and stuff like that. Um, that was expensive and probably a high learning curve of learning like how to do it and how to do it well. When there's so many out there, um, you know, I thought about, you know, maybe a book or like an ebook or, or creating content that way. And I just kept thinking of the concept of like, um, Ferris's book. Something Titans, um, is basically Tools a the Titans, book that he, yeah. Tail- yeah, there you go. So t- he took that book from his podcast. Like he did so many amazing interviews that they- he was then able to write this book. And so when I was thinking like, okay, what do I have already that's working for me that I don't need to create? We, we've got 350 episodes of Boundless Body Radio with the world's top renowned people in many respective fields. Yeah. And it's actually, it was getting a little overwhelming too because if you were to ask us like, like, I, I, you know, do you have an episode on protein that you could share with me? And now I, I think to myself, all the time. Like, okay, yeah, we Yeah, it's hard. Right. It's hard. We did, we did 10 episodes just about protein. We talked about it in 30 others in many different contexts, in lots of different ways, in supplementation, meal timing, um, optimal amounts, leucine, all of this stuff. And so what I've decided to do is go back through our episodes and, and really comb through for one particular topic. So the first one that we started with was protein, as an example. And so I went through our show, and I, would, I cut out the best you know, clips of the world's leading experts talking about protein in different ways. And so I've re-edited the show. I have spliced them all together. And then I've also come in in between each one of the cuts to kind of explain what's going on and offer maybe my own thoughts or opinions um, and kind of set the context for the next, you know, clip or conversation. And so it could be something like, okay, great, we're going to go and listen to, um, Dr. Stu Phillips. He's going to explain why protein is so important, and he's going to cover, um, you know, he's going to cover animal-based protein versus plant-based protein. So we'll share that clip. Maybe that's fifteen minutes. I'll come back on and say like, okay, great, that was Stu Phillips. Why don't we go down to Brazil? Let's talk to Hamilton Rochelle. He actually has a little bit of a different opinion on plant-based protein. He thinks it works okay. Why don't we hear his side of the conversation as well? Play that clip for a few minutes. Come in. I might give my commentary and what the things that I'm thinking of and study limitations and things like that. And yeah, we've been able to make these long extended episodes um, that are really concise and get to the point. Like if you really want to know everything about protein that's important and nothing that you don't, we don't you don't have to listen to the you know the the banter in the beginning or how I'm talking about what projects that person has coming up next. Um, we're really just getting right to the core of the topic. So I've been making those episodes. Um, they are getting to be anywhere from about three to four hours long as completed. And I've decided to put those on Patreon on a subscription model. So I think I've got the pricing right for the value that we're creating. And the cool thing is I'm, I'm just continuing to add more and more and more as we go. So somebody that signed up in the beginning, they would only have access to three, which were fat, carbohydrates, and protein, the three macronutrients. But now that I'm adding more, you know, I'm doing a whole series on keto. Um, I'm doing one currently where I'm going through all the different health practitioners and taking their personal stories of how they they transformed their health since we have so many of those. So that's a really practical one that people can hear people in the medical community, what practical things that they did that people can try, things they recommend. And yeah, the, the, the you know the opportunity to do more in the future is really endless. Like we'll definitely make a whole series about carnivore diets. I'd love to do one about sun exposure, um, about hot cold therapy. We could do one about, you know, the importance of the structure of the foot and minimalist walking and all kinds of stuff like that. So that's what I decided to do. Um, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, it's a lot of work, but it is, it's really, I'm enjoying it. It's really fun. And hopefully we're creating something that is a very high value that can really help people out.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I think that's such a cool idea. And I wish I had thought of it. (laughs) But um, no, I can see how that would be a massive undertaking. But um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about like being able to edit things and provide like obviously doing this long form podcasting is fun. It's great. And people enjoy it. People enjoy the conversations. People enjoy, you know, how it kind of goes through a rhythm and a variety of topics but have being able to put together like one cohesive um, body of of information on on a topic, I think is something that's very valuable. So um, right. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been fun to do. It's been fun to force myself to go back and listen yeah. to episodes. And you know, it. I if nothing else, it helps me understand how I can do a better job as a host and ask better questions. I get a lot of cringes when I go to like the first you know, 10, 20, 30 episodes and little, little tough to listen to, but it's always a good learning experience. And then the wealth of information you get from your guests is just incredible. Like you learn every time I listen to an episode of somebody that I was there. I did the interview. Like I was there. I always learned something. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten and yeah, it's really amazing.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally true. Absolutely. I mean, I even go back and re-listen to episodes of other people's podcasts, yours, others, and I'm like, how did I miss that the first time? So, totally.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Um and how's um your coaching
1: business going? The coaching business is great. It's um it's very stable. Like I said, our time is limited to um you know, what we can do with people one-on-one since that's the way we work with people. And so as far as business goes right now like i'm not i I wouldn't turn people down but i'm also not like stressing out or trying to go find more business um you know in the beginning as a personal trainer it's it's pretty tough you're competing with people you know other trainers that have more knowledge than you they've got probably better people skills than you because you haven't developed that yet and so you're you're forced to work really long hours or even as i was starting we were doing split shifts so basically You'd, you'd come into work at all the times when people were not working. So you'd come in and work from 6am until maybe noon and then get a few hours break, but then have to come back and work 5pm, 6pm, 7pm, which just is soul crushing, dude. It was terrible. Um, but again, luckily I was able to do that and I've, I've honed my, my craft and my skill. I've worked with a lot of the same people for a long time. Um, so the coaching business is now really stable. Um, so really grateful for that. And, 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 you know, It's it's cool that we can work with our people in that way, and it's also fun, you know. Since the pandemic, um, there's just so many different options. There's different ways of working with people that we just never thought of before. Like I during the pandemic, I trained somebody on the on the banister of their stairs. Like there's somebody I trained in Virginia. I've never I've never met her. We've been working together for two years, and we feel like family. So um, it's been fun to be creative and find ways to work with people um, that way. So yeah, really happy about that.
0: That's awesome. That's that's great that you can be in that like stable place. Um, and I think it allows you to probably be more selective with the people you work with and make sure it's people you can really help, which is awesome. Um, okay. Can you talk about like one or two, I know it's always hard to pick, but one or two standout client transformations, either health-wise or mentally, that you were amazed by and proud of?
1: Oh, man. Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. So the first one um, I'm going to shout out, um, he's somebody that I've worked with since 2019 on the nutrition side. He already has another personal trainer that he's been working with longer than me that does his exercise. But he came in to see me when I was back at the gym because he was a type 2 diabetic. He was on uh, 45 units of insulin a day and his doctor wanted him to be on 60. Um, our first appointment, he was his anxiety was so high being in a gym with all these people. That he, he was like sitting and shaking. And we had to like sit down and like calm him down for like 15 minutes before we could even run this metabolic test on him. Um, but over time, we started to show him ways that he could, you know, kind of deal with his type two diabetes. And he did get off insulin. Like he lowered his weight much further. He he's done low carbohydrate. He's done carnivore in different phases, and he's he's had amazing results. Um, he's been a little bit plateaued this last year. He, he caught COVID um, in, in 2021. And I don't, we've been kind of talking as to whether it's impacted his, um, his pancreas because his blood sugar, he's, he struggled this last year with blood sugar, um, you know, resting fast to blood sugar, you know, up in the 200. So, so high. Yeah, not great. So, um, we've been trying to deal with that, but one of the things that, that he's been preparing for was a trip to Disneyland. And so obviously that's something that can really derail you, but for him, it was something that helped him Practice his diet. He went to Disneyland. He switched over to OMAD, and did fasting, and then he also added lots more walking. So he was walking 22, I think he said, thousand steps a day. And sure enough, his blood sugar dropped by like a hundred points. It's now in a much lower position. He continued to lose weight, even in a place where you could you could go and do a lot of damage if you wanted to. Yeah, um, that that pineapple ice cream is pretty addictive. Um, and yeah, he, he's, he's now within one pound of his goal weight. He really has always wanted to be within 200 and he's right there on the doorstep. And, you know, we see each other once every other week, so we don't work a ton together. He doesn't have to do like thousands of dollars of sessions, but um, yeah, I'm really proud of him and his work and, and what it's taken for him to like really ignore some of his doctors and he's been able to deep prescribe medications. It's pretty amazing. So I would say that's one for sure. Um, another one, Another one. I only work with him once every other week. My little badass um, moto racer. Um, his name's Crew. He's 15 years old. He's been training for nationals, and he, he'll, he yeah, we do great hard workouts for him. He's got to be in tip top shape to, like, literally jump 100 feet in the air with a motorcycle. This kid has no wow. fear. It's it's crazy. And with training with nationals, he had to ramp up his his you know physical ability, which we've been doing but he's also had questions about nutrition and, you know, with somebody that young, you certainly don't want to, um, you know, demonize certain foods. You don't want to, you don't want to have any, like, you know, start down the eating disorder path, but you still can ask, answer questions about what good nutrition is. And really the biggest thing that he's done in his diet is realize that sugar is just not great for him. Mm. Um, he, he gets really scattered when he has sugar. When we go outside, his allergies kick up. um, He doesn't concentrate as much. He's literally like more winded. I see him mouth breathing more. And in preparation for nationals this year, he cut out sugar. And dude, the, the kid is savage. Like he's doing, we do intervals where he does a minute and a half of exercise with only a 30 second break repeated for an hour. And he'll get through the entire thing completely nose breathing. He has no problem with allergies. He recovers super fast in the 30 seconds. And I think it's the sugar. He's better in school. His grades are better. Like, so yeah, those two for me are success stories of people that, um, you know, it was important for them to have good health and nutrition was a big part of that. And they made it a priority. And yeah, maybe again, it wasn't, you know, easy in the beginning, but it certainly was simple. They made simple changes that made really great impacts. I'm so proud of that. And I think that's such a great lesson for people to learn, like, you know, People from the outside might look at me and my diet and you and your diet and the things that Bethany eats and say like, wow, that's way too restrictive. How do you like never have a soda or, you know, a dessert or whatever? And it's like, we got here through a very long process and it was an evolution. It took us time as well. And just taking a step towards those goals can be really important. And it doesn't need to be a big thing in the beginning. You mentioned steps an example that I give all the time is when those step trackers first came out in like 2012, we were doing contests to see who could get the most steps. I started parking at like the furthest spot in the parking lot away from the building and walking into the building. I haven't stopped doing that. That was 10 years ago. Wow, That habit stuck. So think about in 10 years, how many times I parked my car, how many more miles I've walked. Um, I haven't had to like, fight for people for parking spaces. I've gotten more sunshine and fresh air, more movement. It's less stressful from one simple change that I did 10 years ago and just kind of made it a habit. And so for people out there that think like carnivore is really restrictive and you'll never be able to be you know, as strict as other people, just start, start moving in that direction and see what happens is what I would say.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great message. And thank you for sharing those stories. That's really incredible. Um, I think that's a that's a great message to end on. Actually, Casey, um, thank you so much for coming on today. Always awesome to catch up with you and just hear your passion oozing out for the people <laughs> you help and the work you do and the podcast. It's so so cool and like invigorating for me. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go like run a mile now. <laughs> I'm excited, but uh, oh, okay. thanks for coming on. Um, I'll of course have links to the podcast and your website in the show notes. Where else can people find you?
1: Yeah, the best place um, is the website. So we're at myboundlessbody.com. Um, and there, you know, like I said, my, my coaching business is busy, but we're, we're always there to help people. So on the very first thing that you see, there's a book now button that you can reserve a spot with us. And anybody around the world can book a 30-minute coaching session with us where we can talk about carnivore diets or exercise or whatever people want to talk about. We will always offer that for free, no matter how busy we are. We're very passionate about helping people wherever we can. So that's the best place to go. That's where they'll find our monthly blog. They'll find the podcast there. They'll find all our social media stuff. But the the website is the best place to go for that. So that again is myboundlessbody.com. Awesome. Thank you, Casey. Um, I'll talk to you again very
0: soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out and share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.